Our House with Jamie Arroya. And this is Art Star Scene Radio. I am Faceboy. I am Juno Tempest. Are y'all there on the phone? Uh-oh. Oh, no. Live production. All right, well, at some point, we'll figure it out. And uh, Johnny <laughs> McGovern is going to be calling in with Catherine Dunn. Yay! I hope all my notes for this show, all of them. Well, I mean, you know, you know, if something happens, I can just talk about all the dick I've got this week. That's true. We always have that as a backup plan. Yeah. I'm hearing some fuzz coming through here too. Yeah. I don't know, know what, what that, that is. Maybe it's the phone line. Oh right. Yeah. There Thank we go. You. <laughs> See, I'm great at troubleshooting. This is why men keep me around. Yes, it is. That and sucking dick. That and sucking dick. <laughs> this came to me the other day. If you're not paying us, you don't get anus. <laughs> that was very cringeworthy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. It's okay. We, they can't all be winners, face boy. No, they can't. Come on, y'all. Call in. What's going on? Like turning up the volume's going to make them call in. Yeah. Of course Yeah, it check will. with Catherine. See what, you can find out what's going on. So, yeah, tell me about uh, this week's dick. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of sparse. I was really, really thirsty. And like last night I went to a reading at McNally Jackson and there was this really hot trans dude who was, uh, oh, there we go. Hello. There you are. Okay. And I'm going to merge in Catherine. Okay. This is the, uh, the creator and host of Hey Queen. This is the gay pimp, or you can call him. I don't know. Daddy. Yeah. Oh, I just woke up a little bit ago. So, sorry, Daddy. <laughs> that sounds good. Ooh. Ooh, that voice. <laughs> I want to start with something uh, that I, I didn't know you experienced. You were on Ricky Lake. I knew that, but uh, I read about... The uh, God Hates Fags people were on the show. Oh, yeah, and the Ricky ladies. said something like, I don't want to deal with them. Johnny, will you deal with them? And what happened? Yes, that was a very strange day. The Ricky Lake show was like a, an improv experiment in terms of the way that you got prepared for the show. You would show up and they would tell you that day when you arrived what was happening and you would just roll with the punches. Um, and that was like, a yeah, one of those days I showed up and they were like, yeah, it's the God hates fags people. Ricky, Ricky doesn't want to talk to them. So we're going to put you with them to start the show and you're going to lead the, the, the segment. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to say to these people? <laughs> um, so I think I, I went out and I very dramatically moved my chair away from them. <laughs> and then luckily, Ricky. Uh, did appear in the audience to kind of moderate it. But because I didn't know anything about Bible verses or anything like that, the only thing that I thought to do was to um, write a little letter as a prop and put it in my pocket. And then when it came time to sort of trump them, I said, 
Well, I want to let you know I have a letter from Jesus, and it says, Dear Johnny, gays okay, love Jesus. And then the audience like erupted in cheers, and they were like, cut to commercial. <laughs> that, was my, that was my letter from Jesus. Always, always good to have in your pocket a letter from Jesus. Yeah. It certainly is. And there is nothing uh, in, in, the, in the Christian part of the Bible that is, says anything anti-gay. Nothing at all. There's some shit in Leviticus, but there's so much stuff in Leviticus. It's like, you know, you if you if you kiss your wife on a Sunday, you're going to hell. I mean, I, I don't know if that's there, but there are a lot of really weird things in Leviticus. And that's what they're always pulling out, and it's ridiculous. So that's good to know if Agreed. you're if you're on the if you're on the show with the God Hates Fags people again. Nothing in the New Testament. Well, good. That's that hopefully I will not run into them anymore. I don't even like calling it the New Testament because that's sort of like saying that everything from the the Jewish people is like okay you're the old stuff like it's like I'm gonna write I'm gonna I'm gonna write the 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 the, the new Bhagavad Gita yeah well I mean the the Jewish faith has been around longer than the Christian faith so yes quite a bit longer I want to ask go. about this oh my God. How did you feel about Pearl coming for RuPaul on your show? Ooh. <laughs> I'm getting right into uh, it. I did, my, I did my homework. Yes, sweetie. Well, it was definitely, you know, the, the great thing about Hate Queen is that um, it's kind of become a place where these, where, you know, these queens who have become the modern gay celebrities, you know, for years, um, there was only so far as an out gay celebrity that you could get. Um, and thanks to drag race and the, you know, the, the cultural shift that, that has brought about these girls have gone from, you know, working at your local, you know, gay bar and, you know, angles and Elmira or wherever else. And they've become, you know, truly, celebrities to a, a certain segment of the population. People are obsessed with what they say, what they do, and um, they still don't really, other, other than Hey Queen, have a, an outlet that's devoted to really telling their stories and telling their truths. And, you know, a lot of what they are known for comes from whatever the editors, you know, put into their the reality episodes that are on, whether that's one episode or a whole season. So we've become kind of a place for them to come and either remix how people perceive them or tell the things that were not able to be told. And the thing that happened with Pearl is that that definitely came out of the blue. We were not expecting uh, her to say that about RuPaul. Now, if you didn't know, what she said is that we were doing the second half of the show, which is called Look at Her, which is basically a game where we show them pictures of people they've worked with and they either, <laughs> you know, they tell us a little tea or they throw shade or they just tell something that we don't know. Um, the first part of the show is like an extended interview. So in this part, it's, you know, just we throw up pictures and they, they tell us something about the Queens. So we put up RuPaul and I, honestly, everyone usually gives very safe answers about RuPaul because she is our corporate Lord and master. God bless her. And, uh, <laughs> in this situation, uh, we had almost finished that part of the segment and she's like, you know what? I want to mention 
something that I've never told anyone before. And she told us that she had been in a in a pre-show situation with RuPaul where they were, I guess, recording RuPaul's song, and they were taking a break, and RuPaul was there next to her, and she is this, you know, 21-year-old kid is like, mm-hmm. I just want to let you know that you're the most amazing, and it's been so incredible, and everything you've done has inspired me so much, and I just really love you, and I think you're incredible, and RuPaul looked at her and said, and this is kind of the famous quote from that episode, mm-hmm. she said, nothing you say matters unless the cameras are rolling. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that definitely affected Pearl in a big way. And uh, as a, you know, a young person putting yourself in their shoes, you can imagine how that might have uh, felt. So it was definitely a moment. It went all over the internet. Um, you know, and obviously I see both sides of the story because I often tell people in conversations that I'm having with them, like, save it for the camera, save it for the show. I think that's Let's what not you... Ruin it. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about it later. But, you know, you can say that in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, RuPaul could very well have been, you know, this is a teachable moment. That uh, that that would have been so great if it was caught on camera. You know, in, in a sense, RuPaul was saying, um, I, I, I wish you had said that when the camera was rolling, because that's the kind of stuff we keep in, or our editors. I mean, you and I know, not, not everyone knows, but you and I know yeah. that reality TV is all in the editing, that you can make 100%. a person look like crap, or you can make them look like look like an angel, um, just all in the editing. Um, and I think, that, I think it would be fair to say that uh, RuPaul, maybe not in the nicest uh, or kindest way, could have been trying to teach Pearl... Uh, uh, teach Pearl about television and about reality TV and about how things work. That's possible. And and the world we live in right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's all you know. There, there, there's so many ways that you can look at that situation. Could have RuPaul said thank you, sweetie, but let's save it for the camera. That might have been a different mm-hmm. take to put take on it. You know what I mean? But, you know, it, it, it is very interesting to see how, you know, these queens relate to RuPaul, who, you know, it's thanks to her that they all have gotten this huge platform. And, uh, you know, for RuPaul, more as, as long, lo- the longer the show has gone on, um, the impression that I've gotten from the queens that have been on the show, the more, the busier, the bigger star she's become, the, you know, the less personal attention they get, and as we all know, when you've loved celebrity all your life, you know you sort of feel like you know them. It's like when people go to see Britney Spears for that meet and greet. The first thing they say is like, "Though you may know Britney, she does not know you." Uh-huh. <laughs> so, oh my god! Okay. I think you know RuPaul has become less and less accessible to the queens, and sometimes that has left them wanting, but. You know, you get another queen like Laganja Estranja who just did the Hey Queen Christmas special with us. And she, you know, said that after when she did an interview with RuPaul after her season, you know, she said, the one thing I really wanted you was for was a hug. And RuPaul gave him the hug. And now anytime he sees Laganja, he gives him a hug. So, you know, it, it's not the, the experience that I've had with RuPaul is that you have to accept the sunshine when you get it and you have to be grateful for the moment that you had and you can't expect that you know just because you love RuPaul that RuPaul is your best friend and you love her as well Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she loves you or he loves you as well right exactly that's what I mean yeah 
And I'm also the girl. That was the tea. That moment with Pearl was a moment. It's the kind of moment that you, as a host of a show, you know, you're, we're always, everybody wants the tea and honey, that was the tea. So, yeah, that, uh, it was a delight. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, you know, I'm really glad I did my research and I know about this stuff. Cause I know people are going to be interested in what does Johnny McGovern think about Pearl <laughs> dropping the tea <laughs> on RuPaul on Hey Queen. So now I can put that in my show yeah. notes, and that'll get some attention. There you go. I mean, yeah, I, I always love when the queens spill the tea, and I actually feel um, extremely, I feel like we've created a place in Hey Queen where we do really get, we do want them to tell their full truth and their story, and the show is all about having fun and, you know, creating a place where you're not just drag queens, but all LGBTQ artists can tell their story, tell their journey. We get pretty deep. I mean, Hey Queen's all about fun, but we've had many, many, many times where these queens will break into tears because we've really gotten to something that they, you know, either haven't talked about before or is something that they're very emotional about. And that's kind of why I think we've had such staying power with Hey Queen is that it's not just fluff. It's fluff and sparkle and beauty, but we really are interested in the journey of queer people and what it's, what it's taken for people who are famous to get where they are and the journey they've been on, because I know that helps our viewers who tend to be, you know, a younger viewer. And doesn't it feel great to be able to give a voice to other people? You know, this is something I've been doing for a very long time and it's so gratifying. And, uh, I'm just saying, I know it feels wonderful. Uh, so I'm just kind of answering oh, well, my question. Yes, you certainly do know because it's thanks to you that my voice started to come through. I mean, I want to publicly thank you, Faceboy, for creating the, the situation that you created with Surf Reality with Robert Pritchard because that is where I started to find my voice because there was an audience ready to listen. Um, and that was really where I first started to become the performer that I am today was on that in that world with you. That was where I, I blossomed into the faggoty bloom that continued to grow. <laughs> so you, you understand completely the yes, joys of uh, giving people a place to express themselves because you did it for so many artists <laughs> for so many years. And, uh, and, and it's really nice. Like a lot of people who came up through not a lot, actually, through my scene. Actually, I get, I, people do credit me, but I often see people that say, oh yeah, I came up in the downtown clubs. You always say, uh, when people ask where you started, Face Boys open mic at Surf Reality. And the moment, the first time I saw you perform, I knew there was a tremendous talent in front of me and I wanted to do everything I could to encourage that talent and, you know, feature you. And, and now, uh, last night I was watching the, the, the soccer practice that I sent you that you and I had done together. And, um, yes. and then I see, you know, the, 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 um, produced version and the, so many views and so many people loving it. And, um, uh, it's just wonderful. I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing people who I put energy and love into, uh, succeeding and now going and doing the same for others and letting people open up and, and cry and laugh and all that kind of stuff. But I am going to turn this over to Juno for a bit because I know this girl has been dying to talk to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Johnny, I, uh, I've been a fan of yours since I was a baby faggot, uh, back yes. in Rockford, Illinois. Um, <laughs> and now I'm all grown up. I'm a grown woman. Uh, and <laughs> I, I, I get to, uh, talk to you right now. It's kind of like surreal. <laughs> Well, here it is, sweetie. We're here together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I just yeah, it, it it's insane. Like Faceboy sent me the the soccer practice video um on YouTube yet uh the other day. And I'm like, "Holy shit, I've seen this on Comedy Central." Haven't I? Or somewhere like my yep, brain yep. is fried. Saw, that was that was kind of a big breakout moment was when uh because the journey of Gay Pimp went from doing it at Surf Reality, and then I started doing that. We we did that show as part of a the Grindhouse late night performances that we did Facebook Face Boy, where we did uh, that was a show called Wrong Fact to Fuck With, which was where the Gay Pimp character was born. And then I started going to little clubs around and performing um, that character as if he really was a pop star, and it was at a big arena, even though we were at like the Cock and. Other tiny little bars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I would go perform with backup dancers and drag queen cheerleaders and go-go boys. And then, yeah, then that there was pe- eventually people from Comedy Central saw it, and I ended up being able to do that on a, a that big stage on that special. And that was a, that was kind of a breakthrough kind of moment for me. Yeah, I'm I'm remembering like seeing this at 17 years old and being like, holy shit, like. You can you can be a faggot and do comedy. That's awesome. <laughs> Juno, yeah, by the way, can, that might be a subtitle of my career. You can be a faggot and do comedy. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Your next memoir. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were you saying, Facebook? Uh, I was just saying that. Uh, I was just telling Johnny that that Juno is literally fanning herself. Just yeah, just yeah. <laughs> I have to. And, I have to. I got to fan myself off. I'm talking to Johnny's McGovern. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, you're having a Blanche Devereaux moment. Please yes, very much. Water, please. <laughs> very much. Also, so. don't forget to get our sniffing salts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am a very thirsty girl. Very thirsty. <laughs> Well, drink up, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, I don't. I don't even uh, know what to say. <laughs> I'm turning the mic over to you. You've known about this for over a week. <laughs> now you can't talk. <laughs> well, normally all I do on this show is talk about dick. Talk about dick. Who's high now, bitch? I mean, yeah i I got really thirsty last night because I was at my. Uh, McNally Jackson for a reading and there was this trans dude from Seattle and his girlfriend was there and I didn't know it. And so I was like low key hitting on him while like talking. I to don't him think about you German. have a low key. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Don't I? No. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, they have both seen me suck a dick like in the studio. So I guess, I oh, guess. Well. I mean, then that you informed. learn well from your dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Learn well from daddy. And the, the well, own... you know, that's been a, a big part of, like, what, uh, you know, that whole thing that happened with soccer practice and the creation of the gay pimp character really came about because I was finding myself at that moment and was, for the first time in my life, feeling myself. 
and discovering the dichotomy that I really enjoy, which is to be, uh, to, you know, present in a masculine way, yet subvert it with the most faggoty stuff that I can. And, you know, that whole soccer practice song was really about taking everything that was super masculine and super masculine and super, uh, you know, butch and things that I felt like I did not relate to at all as a teenager and sort of flipping it on its ass and making it all, uh, you know, relate to gay sex. And that was kind of what the, you know, the basis of that soccer practice song was about. And if you watch that old video with me and Faceboy uh, performing it, I think in that situation, the, you know, Faceboy was playing the innocent, uh, the innocent character. And I was sort of the, the, the coach that was, that was, was telling him that every, you know, was making him do all the dirty things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember, I remember you you being so nervous about script writing. You're like, Facebook, I can't write a script. I don't write, write for other people and, and a whole thing. And, and I was like, you can do this, Johnny. I know you can do this. And you did. And now you got a television show on Netflix. Yes. yes. I'm here for that. That, that, that has been a, the Netflix just happened. Uh, we debuted streaming on Netflix. Um, two weeks ago, when they're and they're playing uh, season five of Hey Queen and and Look at Her, and uh, that's just extremely exciting because I've been working my ass off on this show for almost seven years now, mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of success and a lot of recognition, but it's still been kind of from uh, only a segment of an audience. You know, there've been, and I think we've gotten big enough that people even know what the show is, but n- may not have you know, done the extra step to find it on YouTube and figure out what it is. And it's yeah. extremely exciting to be on Netflix where everyone can see it, where it's something very easily accessible and that you can binge it and you can really get into the, the whole show. And there's no comment section on Netflix, so it feels so good. Oh, God, I bet that's amazing. <laughs> Do you read the comments? Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, as the as the executive producer uh, and everything else of Hey Queen, you know, I I I I definitely took a step back from reading the comments. But initially, you know, it was the whole show was run by me and another friend of mine. So uh, yeah, I did everything. I edited the show. I I booked the guests. I did it all. So the early years of the show, I was also moderating the comments. And honey, oof. The <laughs> internet is not kind, sweetie. <laughs> no. I, I just had to, I eventually had to take a step back because it started making me hate the audience. Um, and I, now I, now I, now I don't, I, now it all rolls off my back a lot more than it did. But there was a certain time, I think this is a lot for people who are, you know, artists who are working so hard to put something up there of that they believe in this quality and they have people just, you know, shit on it for, you know, whatever reason, um, you know, it can really hurt. And I think, I you know, I think we're in a, a, a time in which being a bigger celebrity used to protect you from that. Cause some, you know, you could have someone read your fan mail, but now with everybody on social media, you know, even the biggest stars, 
can read a comment and, you know, you can read a thousand nice comments, as we all know, mm-hmm. and you only remember the mean mm-hmm. one, Lady oh, Gaga yeah. style, 99 and 1, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, now, you know, again, as you get more success, you're like, well, fuck these, fuck it. And you re- realize that more people like and love what you're doing and that the people who are, uh, you know, who are making mean comments are, are just, you know, trying to grasp for attention. They want you to read it. They want you to respond because they want a moment with you in some way or another. So yeah. uh, I, I'm not afraid of the comment section anymore, but, you know, uh, it's great to have it on a big platform and not have to be like, well, what, what are they saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Has it ever influenced your next move, the comments? Like, have they ever inspired or fueled you? Um, well, you know, uh, I, I certainly have learned to get better at putting on man makeup than I thought there was one time, I think, where I wore a beige sweater and I put on a light foundation and people were like, he looks like a corpse. He's dying. He's dead. And I was like, All right. Well, I guess I should probably get a little better at this. <laughs> yeah. So, that- so, what, so there was that one time it helped. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Occasionally it does. It, you can... There's an interesting phenomenon that happens, especially with the RuPaul Drag Race audience, is that these kids get really obsessed with their favorite, and then instead of, they're unable to appreciate, if if their favorite is surrounded by other people, the only way they know to lift their favorite up is by putting down everyone else around Mm -hmm. them. And I don't feel that as much as, but you can see that a lot with, um, other queens on the show, you know, they, they, they try to diss everybody else that's part around their favorite queen to lift that queen up. And, you know, that's not necessarily a very productive or something necessary, but it's something I've noticed happens a lot in that fan base. And, you know, so we are not uh, immune to that type of criticism. Yeah. 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 Uh, just, just being in the Brooklyn drag scene, I've, I've, witnessed my fair share of uh shenanigans shall we say and like oh yeah there people get brutal like i've watched i'm going to uh my friend's house tonight leave alone he's having this uh holiday get together but he's like had to basically quit drag because a portion of the Brooklyn drag community has made it their business to insert themselves into like an interpersonal problem that he was having with an ex. Um, and like throwing out accusations of like rape and rape apology to anyone who like stuck by Lee. And like, it's just bonkers how, how this shit can happen. But it's because like yeah, and then it, it, people are people are afraid uh like people want to pull success other successful people down so that hope in the hopes that like maybe they'll rise up a little bit in the ranks. But it's like, do you really think you're gonna get anywhere like doing shit like that? Nah. You you gotta you gotta appreciate the people around you and like bolster the community if you want something bigger and better to happen. Like there there are New York girls on Drag Race that do not have a good reputation in in Brooklyn because they just like they soak up all that um, they soak up all that attention and take all these awards from like real local artists and it's like nah hun you've you've had your time like you're on to bigger and better things like leave the local stuff to the local girls 
How about that? Um, like, yeah, definitely is a thing that uh, you know it's it's interesting to to get because you know we really do get uh, you know three or three or four good hours of real personal interaction with each queen, and it's funny to see that you know for me I look at someone who's you know perceived as that I think is a huge success and having a great moment and winning. And, you know, you'll talk to them and be like, oh, I'm not a bitch. I know everyone thinks I'm a bitch. And I'll be like, I don't know who thinks you're a bitch, but, sweetie, you got to stop reading the comment section. Yeah. <laughs> a 13-year-old in Ohio who didn't like what you said. Yeah. You are winning. You're having it. So they're, especially these queens under the microscope on Drag Race, the rewards are huge, but also it comes with a lot of treacherous social media attention. And uh, it can be really hard to navigate. Yeah, I know Adore had, like, a huge problem um, when she was on All-Stars, uh, like, All-Stars 2. And, like, I I feel for her because that's a lot. And also, like, last night I was I was at Macri Park talking to Lady Havoc, and she was like, oh, yeah, blah blah I was talking with Thorgy about, like, uh, a Gia Gunn and, like, what a bitch she is on All-Stars 3. And I'm like, okay, well... Because Lady Havoc was like, yeah, she just is, like, spouting off about everything being transphobic. And I'm like, well, hon, you do realize, like, the gay community is not kind to trans people. And you know the comments that RuPaul himself has made about trans women doing drag, right? Like, maybe consider that. But also, I do hear Gia Gunn can be, like, a huge pain in the ass. But as a... (laughs) A fellow trans woman, I can I can relate. Like I'm also a huge pain in the ass. Face boy and uh, face girl can attest <laughs> to that. I have not seen. You that. have not actually fucked my ass, so I cannot say whether you are a pain in the ass or not. Well, you have Catherine, not fucked my ass either. Hint, hint, hint. Wait. <laughs> so we want. Are Are you going to be in on my birthday orgy? I'm going to be am at I, your birthday orgy. Am I fucking you? I thought you were getting fucked. I'm so confused. Yeah, you're yeah. supposed to be getting uh, uh, spit roasted. All all the things. All the things. All the things. This is going to be March 2nd, uh, <laughs> live on Art Star Scene Radio. <laughs> and uh, But we do need your help. Uh, we're, we, we need help paying for this. We've got to get a hotel room. we got to figure mm-hmm. out how to remote broadcast. Uh, and uh, where can people give money to... to... They can Venmo at Juno Tempest. J U N O T E M P E S T. Yeah. And, and Johnny, if you want to just tell people who are listening for you, you know, give a girl some dick. Please, please help this young woman get what she needs. <laughs> all I'm the gonna dick. bring all the penises. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring them in a bag. You heard it here. Johnny McGovern is uh, trying to get dick for Juno Tempest. You heard it here. Yeah. And uh, we have to give do it that. all. Yes. <laughs> we have to do this. Okay, yeah, I have to read a, a promo. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one time donation or monthly pledge. Come on. Don't be a cheap bitch. 
donate at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent, or, you know, 20 bucks, helps us to continue to stay on the air. So please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And if you want to sponsor this show... That's also tax deductible, and the money goes right to us. And you can go to rfb.nyc slash That's rfb.nyc slash A-S-S. This doesn't work without the visual cue. I know. It was working. Sorry. Want to try it again? Sure. If you want to sponsor the show, go to rfb.nyc slash a S S. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I was waiting for you. It almost worked. It almost worked the first time, guys. So, Johnny, here's something I can't find online. Uh, what's going on in your personal life? Well, that's very well hidden for a good reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I definitely try to keep, uh, my own things to me myself because I don't really want opinions or, uh, people's nose up in my business. Um, I, uh, I, needless to say, I'm very happy in my personal life. I, uh, am, I, you know, the great thing is I've been able to hold on to a lot of friendships that started, from when I was really, you know, after you know, after I really came out of the surf reality scene, I was also throwing parties in New York City, and mm-hmm. uh, I really made parties. a lot of really great close friends there. Mm-hmm. And the core group of them all became part of my first podcast, which was Gay Pimpin' with Johnny McGovern. Mm-hmm. And um, the core group of those people um, are still my close friends today, and are part of all of the projects that I do. They're part of Hey Queen in different ways, and they're part of the current podcast that I do, which is called Hot Tea. Um, and so I've managed to, and I think, and then as I've moved to L.A., I, I, I added uh, Lady Red Couture in the mix, who's a transgender woman uh, who does drag, called the, known as the largest drag queen in captivity. Um, <laughs> someone who uh, is a very close, close friend of mine. And I've managed to really keep uh, keep a, a group of people around me who inspire me creatively and who are, you know, are my, are my sisters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've managed to really keep, keep those friendships strong. And I, as, and of course, you know, friendships that last 15 years plus, go through cycles of ups and downs, but, you know, we've managed to really all stay very close, and that is extremely helpful, especially the more well-known you become. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to keep those friendships alive, and especially mm-hmm. living in somewhere like Los Angeles, where it's hard to make friends and hard friends because you, you have to really nurture them. So mm-hmm. I, I've been, I think I've, I'm very lucky in that I've been able to continue to nurture uh, the relationships that are important to me and keep all those people in my life. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're very, you are very good at that. And like you and I, we haven't spoken for years, 
but uh, when I saw this thing about Netflix, uh, I was so happy for you. And and I didn't think for a second, and I wanted you on this show, and uh, I there wasn't a, a minute where I thought, oh, Johnny's, not, Johnny's too big. He's not going to want to talk to me. Never. I never would think that, you know? <laughs> it's because we... We did so many shows together, and we hung out. We went to parties, and uh, you know, I, we're we're in we're just running in different circles, and we've run in different circles for many years. But I've always cared about you, and I've always known that you care about me. And that's and this is this is a friendship that's going on over twenty years now, and that's that's pretty that's important. Yeah, especially I mean, you know, those years that we had together were really influential for me. And, you know, finding who I was, what my voice was, and, uh, you know, it's something that I'll never forget and never not appreciate, uh, you know, what the time that we, that we had together. So, you know, you're, you're still my sister and we're all, I'll always be here for you, sweetie. I know. I know. And something that struck me though, and watching the soccer practice one, that's just, that's me and you, um, was that. We were playing teenagers. Now you were you were only twenty one, so it's not that far off, or somewhere around there. I was thirty one. Oh, so was Luke Perry. <laughs> That's my favorite. Exactly. I like I like that decade difference. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, and yet you were also playing someone who's kind of the older the coach. Yeah. <laughs> And well, that, that you was... and I are similar in that I think that we, you know, when you surround yourself with, uh, if you're not close, you don't get older and close yourself off to new people, new ideas, you, the, the essence of youth, um, that, you know, it keeps you very vibrant and you still feel you're, you know, it's that old thing, like you're as young as you feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, you, when you sur- when you're not closed off to, um, new people and new ideas and you're not like all those dumb kids, you know, it really does make a difference in terms of how you are able to, uh, incorporate new ideas into yourself and keep yourself and what you do fresh. Yeah. My girlfriend is 22 young, two years younger than me and, uh, fucks me up the ass with a strap on dildo, like at least once a week, really hard. I mean, that's where you're getting that youth essence from. Uh-huh. Right in, got right into you. Uh-huh. There we go. <laughs> I've been I've been stealing youth essence from young men for years. What's <laughs> <laughs> that uh, done? Catherine, and beauty. You can also steal beauty. I was about to say, we, we haven't heard much from you, Catherine. I know, because like this crazy phone thing also i'm enjoying listening to your really deep voice well i'll give it to you real good Ooh, the low voice uh, yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm melting yeah. i'm melting in my chair johnny's right low voice i was watching yeah, i mean it's all the it's, i don't smoke cigarettes anymore but those years of cigarettes definitely got carved out a very deep register so thank you newport it was the fiberglass did it so yeah thanks newport <laughs> uh tell me some highlights from the dita von tees tour 
Oh my gosh. Now that is uh, gotta be one of the sweetest gigs that I've ever had. And it came at a really great time because, um, uh, Hey Queen has been something that's been a, you know, kind of a success from the beginning, but that didn't mean it necessarily equaled financial, uh, financial security. Um, because a lot, you know, the way Hey Queen started was it was a, I, I did partner with a, a studio to do it. Um, so that, you know, it wasn't like I was paying to rent a studio or do all that, but it wasn't like, you know, YouTube does not make it really easy to make money no matter how many views you have. I've heard. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, it's that thing of being, uh, more famous than your, than your, uh, budget. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, is sometimes, you know, it could be a struggle to really keep afloat. And, uh, you know, the, the Dita tour came in and allowed me to have this really great, good paying situation, um, where I got to travel the world. And then when I got off the road from that, I was able to go back and work extremely hard and film a million shows just in time to go back on the road again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that job came about by, because Dita came on the show. It, it, the way we get all of our biggest stars for Hey Queen is that um, their gay assistant or hairdresser or somebody watches the show and tells them, you should do this show. It's great. And uh, that's exactly what happened with Dita. Her gays, because she's surrounded by the best kind of gays, uh, they told her, girl, you got to do this show. And... Uh, she came on the show and we hit it off and she said, you know, she, she got a crush on me from doing that show. Mm -hmm. And um, don't blame her. a couple months later, uh, out of the blue on Instagram, she was like, would you be interested in maybe hosting my tour? And I was like, girl, my suitcases are packed. I'm actually outside your door. Right now, right? So, my go bag. Uh, yeah. And it was, uh, and it just was a, it was also a great thing because, um, Though I do, you know, I still will produce stand-up and I'll perform when, you know, Hey Queen has pretty much taken almost all of my time to get it to the point where it is right now. Because um, I not only do I produce Hey Queen, but I produce other shows that we sell to different TV outlets or, or, or across the world. So I'm doing a lot of producing, being the boss, being in charge of things, managing staff. And that's not exactly what I got into show business to do. No. So um, being able to sort of step away from that and, and purely be a performer uh, on the Dita show was just like a, a delight. Um, and they, you know, they, they really give, gave me a, a huge amount of freedom. Dita let me know what the acts were. She showed me a, you know, a video of, what, of one of, her, of the show that we were going to be touring with. And then I wrote a script, uh, and I basically came to the first tour stop with the script, and they were like, all right, well, go for it. <laughs> Hope it works out. Oh, you wrote a script. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just doing a little callback. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and it, it's just been it's just been a delight, especially because the it's it's great because a it's nice to step away and not have to be the boss because uh, on that tour Dita is fully the star, the boss, and the audience is there to see her. So um, it's really just really 
fun to be able to just step out on stage and just, you know, cheerlead, entertain the audience, do, you know, do jokes. She has me also perform one of my songs. I do uh, a song called Don't Fall in Love with a Homo, a song for the I know, don't, I know that song. I helped you. Yes, you, uh, you do. <laughs> I remember you were, uh, I, I helped you get a location and I had a cameo yes, as, a, as a very sleazy straight guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, yeah, you uh, did when we did that video back in the day. And, and you had assembled everybody and you were like, Face boy, I forgot that I don't really know a lot of women and we need a lot of <laughs> women in the crowd. <laughs> Can you help me out? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and most of the women I know are people I've had sex with. So, like, half the audience in that video are people I've fucked. <laughs> yes. Yes, Only? exactly. It's like, a, it's like, a, a, like a beautiful little yearbook of Facebook, Facebook conquests in that video. <laughs> How did you uh, get a children's that- choir? Where did you get a children's <laughs> choir? And were they really singing, don't fall in love with a homo? They were the video for that song, which you know came out a long time ago, but it's still one of my favorites. That was from Martine Beauchamp, who you remember was oh, yeah. uh, helped me write the scripts for "Don't Fall the Wrong Facts Fuck With" and was part of Dirty the Matrix. House. He he worked uh, at the food co-op in Brooklyn, so those were all children of people who worked at the food co-op. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. And then you just uh, put them in choir that that I, Yeah, exactly. It's funny that you said that I, you know, I didn't know a lot of women. It's so funny because I've, we've had, you know, I've dealt, lived with in the, the gay nightlife culture for so long, especially during that moment that, you know, it was one of those times where like, well, all the women I know are actually men. So it's I have <laughs> to, to find cisgender ladies. It's something that I that was not in my my surroundings. You didn't have you, that wasn't. <laughs> it was just fucking funny. I remember that you're like you were like, face boy. I gotta. I know you helped me get the venue and all that kind of stuff, but now I need some women. I need ladies. I need ladies. I volunteer as tribute. I volunteer as <laughs> <Yeah>. tribute. <laughs> um. But the Dita tour has been really incredible. It's so fun. I've been doing it now for two years and. Um, it's just been incredible. We just got off a six week tour of Europe, which, you know, I've been to Europe as a teenager, but honestly, I never, I was not sure how I would return. And as I got older, the idea of doing some kind of backpacking across Europe did not appeal to me. Mm -hmm. So to be able to go across Europe to the fanciest of hotels, flying from country to country and performing at these incredible, huge gilded venues. Um, was amazing. And it's also very inspirational because, you know, Dita started her tour, uh, you know, around 2010, performing at the Roxy in L.A., which is, you know, kind of a small rock venue. Mm -hmm. And she has been building it over the last decade. And basically her dream had been to be able to take this tour to the fanciest, biggest, most grand venues across Europe and she did it. Mm-hmm. You know, she did it. And we we played five sold out nights at the Palladium. We played four sold out nights at the Casino du Paris. We played in Monaco, Berlin, Prague. I mean, honey, them bitches can't even spell Prague. It was, <laughs> really, uh, it was really incredible and 
it's also really uh, great in this time in which we are so aware of the fucking patriarchy to be in a show that is fully run, conceived, and produced by women. Because Dita and the, the woman who's in charge of the tour, uh, the production manager, you know, they're both very strong women and mm-hmm. extremely uh, gratifying to be part of this show. Uh, and to see, you know, to, to really be part of like a show that's not only, uh, about empowering women because they also have women of every race and size and shape, dirty martinis, part of the tour. Um, there's, you know, they let me be as gay as I want to be. It's just a really great <laughs> oh, dirty martini. And then you have the crew, which is I've... almost all straight bros. Mm-hmm. And they're also a hundred percent on board with all of that. So it's been extremely fun and it just allowed me to be back on stage in front of thousands of people without having to be a hundred percent responsible for getting all those people in their seats. Yeah. By the way, I've known, I've known, I've known dirty martini for years. We've worked together on all kinds of stuff. I'm so glad to see her part of this too. Cause, uh, you know, the shows I've worked on with her are, you know, in little, just the smallest of theaters and the smallest of crowds and that kind of stuff. But she would always give it her all and she was always fantastic. So I'm really glad to, when I when I read that she was part of this uh, thing. I want to tell you something, John McGovern. I was yeah. thinking about um, who would I want to see on Hey Queen? Anyone Me. from Riverdale. Riverdale. Oh, okay. Anyone from Riverdale? Are you a fan? Uh, I've enjoyed them. I've 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 dipped my toe into Riverdale, especially all the gay parts. Mm-hmm. And whenever Archie, whenever Archie takes his shirt off, definitely. I'm just <laughs> catching up on this season, and he's been taking his shirt off on like every episode. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Very nice. I, well, I, that's part of what we're we're working toward now is. Um, now that now that we've kind of got that Netflix stamp of approval, we're trying to open it up a little bit to try to get more, and I don't want to say real celebrities, but more mainstream celebrities to come into our little playhouse and sort of get the Hey Queen experience. So hopefully I can make that dream come true for you. Good. Make him topless the whole time. <laughs> I mean, that would be my idea. That would be my plan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know that that it, that it's about drag queens, uh, but you know, you had Dita Von Teese on, and that led to something great. Um, and yes, it should definitely stay with your original vision, but you know, expand a little. Get 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 Archikins on there, topless <laughs> shirt off, well, that, that's oiled part up. Of the, that's part of the plan. The master plan does include that type of growth, so I, I'm hoping that in the next couple seasons, that's the kind of thing that we're we're able to do. Me too. I want to ask you, God, we're running, we only have like nine, eight minutes left. There's so much. I'm going to go through all the things that I wrote down and you tell me what you want to talk about. Okay. Okay. Uh, Shasta Oaks, Dirty Matrix, Gay Pimp versus Eminem, The Purple Organ, a big, <laughs> gay, big gay sketch show. Are you in touch with Kate McKinnon? Did you know that Ebony... No, sweetie, as soon as she got on Saturday Night Live, she changed her number. Oh. I heard that. <laughs> yeah. She did. Oh, we, we had no. Gone on tour, we had gone on tour together, and, you know, I, I remember uh, texting her to say congratulations, and I never heard from her again. Oh, wow. <laughs> so y'all didn't get close or anything like that? or? Uh, I'd say that we were 
good good enough friends. I mean, we did. We went on tour. We hung out. Um, yeah, uh, never heard from her again after she got on that show. <laughs> That's all I can say. Okay. There's yeah, nothing, I heard that. Yeah, that was Go that on, was it. that was it. <laughs> what, what did you hear, Catherine? Just that. No, exactly that. Like specifically about Kate McKinnon. Yeah, exact opposite of everything you said about how you've been cultivating and nurturing these relationships that you had and forming them and over the years. Exact opposite. Just like total. Kate's like, I made it. Fuck you. Oh. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if it was a fuck you so much as it was like, well, uh, you know, it just wasn't. And it's not like I was going to call her up and ask her for a loan of $20 or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it was. That's all I can tell you because it wasn't like something happened or that we were best friends and we stopped chatting. But we had always been in communication occasionally and did done shows together. But, yeah, after that, uh, never heard from her. So, you know, all you can be is like, congratulations, girl, from afar. Okay. But I am still close with uh, Julie Goldman from the Big Gay Sketch Show, and we uh, work we work on a lot of projects together. That was really my, my homegirl from that show. We both had performed downtown and then, you know, she had also been to Surf Reality and performed there multiple times. I didn't and know that. we were kind of man-woman versions of each other. She did super lesbo, dykey stuff, and she did a, a sort of Melissa Etheridge uh, character that was sort of a lesbian version of the gay pimp. So <laughs> when we got on that show together, we really clung to each other because that wasn't, I'd say, the easiest experience of uh, doing that show. And what so we that? really became close. Uh, during that the whole process what, what was Why difficult not? about it yeah um you know what i had uh, that that was the kind of thing where you've been working so hard forever to get on a show and you you think that it's going to when you get on it they're going to be open to all of your ideas and your vision of how what you want to do and that wasn't really how it came out you know you we ended up having about we would get at the beginning of each season, about five minutes to pitch characters or concepts to the writers. And then either they picked them, picked up on them or they didn't. And then after that, you, if you were not really, if some writer didn't get what you were going for, you ended up just getting sort of put into whatever they had written. So a lot of times I felt like I wasn't getting showcased, uh, in the way that I had hoped I would be. Um, and that was frustrating because, you know, you spend years and years thinking about what you're going to do when you get on TV and then you're playing, you know, someone's uncle or the here's your tea, sir, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was a frustrating experience because I didn't feel like uh, the humor that I thought was good and would have been, you know, viral or would have really made the show fresh was what happened. Um, it was, I thought a lot of the stuff we did was not really to my taste. Um, and you know, the show only lasted three seasons. So it was a great opportunity because it put me in front of a lot of people and it definitely was like a little bit of a, it was like, Oh, well you've been on TV, but it, the show I think could have been so much gayer, cooler, more interesting. You'd think that someone like me who had had success doing, songs and music videos that they would have wanted me to do those type of songs 
kind of the way Andy Samberg did on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. That was happening right around the same time. Mm-hmm. You th- I would have thought that they wanted would want to use what I was known for um, to be in the show because that was something that I had a lot of success with. And it was the exact opposite. They wanted nothing to do with all of that type of stuff that I had done previously. That was a mistake on their part. Uh, yeah, so it was, you know, again, it was a job I was grateful for, but it was creatively frustrating. With three minutes left, we're going to take advantage of the new listeners <laughs> that, <laughs> that you have brought and do some pitching. Oh, yeah, my next show is um, No Pressure at Bizarre Bushwick. Uh, every first Wednesday of the month. Um, January 2nd is going to be our New Year's Hangover show. And then at uh, on Tuesday, every second Tuesday of the month at Metropolitan Bar um, is Genre Reassignment, Brooklyn's only trans open mic. Um, this month we have, on January 8th, Kit Yan, a lovely uh, trans writer. And so, like, it's, I'm very excited. Face girl. I'm on every single Saturday at 3 p.m. on Dunsun. So come check me out on Dunsun on Radio Free Brooklyn. And please, if you have something in your pockets, give to Planned Parenthood, give to the ACLU, give to Survivors Against SESTA, and don't forget also to give yourself some love. Show yourself some love. Coming up next on Radio Free Brooklyn is Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. And uh, I want to thank you, Johnny McGovern, so very much. My pleasure. I want to thank you, Face Girl, so very much. Thank you, Face Boy. I want to thank you, Juno Tempest, beaming right now. Yes. Beaming. Okay. Thank Just you, tell him you want to suck his dick. Johnny McGovern, Daddy, I would love to suck your dick. He already knows. I'm only saying it because... Oh, okay. What's that? Okay. I missed that. I said open wide. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can handle it. (laughs) Here's another another note that we didn't get to, and it's a routine that you used to do called getting to blah. Do you remember that? I think that was probably about doing drugs. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Because during those years when uh, we were uh, doing those shows was when I first discovered going to big nightclubs uh, in, and uh, at the Roxy and Twilo. And it was my, my first experience with club sort of drugs and all of that stuff. And I was, I was also trying to milk that for all the creative stuff as I could. So I was talking very freely about it. I no longer do any drugs, but I do uh, I, I do appreciate all of the fun that I had back in the day. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear both of those things. Like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I, 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 anyway, I'm very glad to hear both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the time we have. Tune in each and every Saturday at 7 p.m. for Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. Bye. <laughs>